I don't know about you, but that song, um, it was pretty necessary for me this morning because yesterday when I, when I saw the message from Corey that said that I want to make up like 10,000 names for what this thing is that found its way into their house, I, was, I dealt with anger a large part of yesterday afternoon. Angry at the disruption that this thing causes in the life of an individual, it causes in the life of the family, it causes in the life of the church. And for those of you at home, I, I lament, I lament that we can't all be together today. I fully 100% respect the decisions you make for watching out and caring for your family, absolutely 100%. That's what we want for those who call this their church home, that you're caring for your family first and you're looking out for your church family as well. I'm still, it's, I still dealt with anger thinking through the process of you know, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do next? Well, now we know. We knew back in March that it was eventually going to find its way into our church, and it did. It's here. But we must not threat because our miracle worker is completely in control of everything that's happening in the Kent family, in your family, and in the family and the life of this church. Nothing to worry about. And I also want to say this. I absolutely hate it. Masks. I just hate masks. And I want to challenge us with this, church, okay? I know this, is a, this has the full potential of being a divisive issue. This little, look at it this way. This little three-inch three by five-inch sheet of fabric that we wear over our faces Heaven forbid that that would be something that would divide a church, whether or not someone is wearing or not wearing that piece of fabric. I, I like to look at it this way. Let's say Jesus comes back tomorrow. He comes back tomorrow and he says, all right, Summit, Summit Church, gather around. Gather around. Want you, let's have a little chat here. I don't want us to have to stand before the Lord together and have him say, why did you make that such a big deal? This little thing that you wore over your face. I would say shame on us if that became something that ever divided our church. And so let me, I'm not even, like this has nothing to do with the sermon. This has to do with the life of our church that I believe the Lord has impressed upon me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance, through endurance and what else? The encouragement of the saints, which is what is supposed to lace our church together through the endurance and encouragement of the saints, um, of the scriptures, pardon me, that we would have hope. And then may the God of endurance and encouragement grant each one of us to live in such harmony with one another, that we would live together with such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together with one voice, whether masked or not, together with one voice, we together would declare the glory of the God, our God and Father and our, and our Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the message, that should be the tenor and the tone of this church. Whether we are sitting together here in this sanctuary or we are engaged online, we are unified in declaring to a, to a world that's watching on that there is nothing that is going to separate the body of Christ because our faith and our trust is completely in Him. Let me share with you just a word about the soothing power of prayer. So if you want something to do during this season, pray. All right? Pray. This past Tuesday, elder meeting, 7 o'clock in the morning, rolls right into staff meeting, rolls right into the next thing, rolls right into, it's like 2.30 in the afternoon, I haven't even had a chance to look at my sermon. And many of you know, I have a group of 60 or 70 people I call on to pray for me throughout the course of the week. And I'm like, I got to get to my sermon. It's time to get to my sermon. And the Lord's like, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Now is the time for you to get on your phone and contact each and every one of them and ask them to start praying for you. And so I did. And I just want to declare to you the soothing power of prayer. I don't know what is rocking your boat right now, but the soothing power of prayer brings relief to whatever it is. This is our pillar. 
prayer pillar, fervent prayer. It's an expression of our dependence on God for all things, all things. It's an expectance in seeking and asking God for all things. That's supposed to be us, that we're asking God for all things. Thankful, thankful in our prayers for God's constant provision because He is always, always providing. And then if you look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the inspiration for this pillar, we are to be constantly continuing steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And the more and more you put this practice into your life, going before the Father with your prayer requests, the more you will expect a good outcome from the prayers that you offer to our God and Father. I've come to expect it, and I praise God for His providence and His answers to prayers. Okay, now let's get into today's passage. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to review for a moment. I don't want you to, this is kind of unfair. I've been, giving, I've been given verses 3 through 13. That's the first three days of creation, okay? So you have the Creator God. He creates light in one day. He creates atmosphere on another day, and then he creates this land that we live on, and he, and he declares the waters to be the seas, and he, and he puts plants and vege- vegetation all over it. Okay, God did this in three days, and now I'm being asked to preach this in 30 minutes. And so I am pretty sure that we're probably not going to, the sermon's not going to end in 30 minutes, so I'm asking for your mercy and your patience and your grace as we work through this together, okay? All right, so here we go. In the beginning, God in the beginning, what did God do? He was there, and what we learned from Charles as he broke this verse down for us, he created the heavens and the earth. He is the great I am. He is the one who speaks. He is the one who existed before. He's the one who exists now, and he will always, always be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. And then last week, we saw that this earth was without form and void. It was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. That sounds to me like a very threatening place to be. A place that has no form. It's void. It's dark. It's covering the face of the deep. And then we see this, that the Spirit of God was hovering over all of this. Now imagine this. Imagine this is what we had. And then God decides, I'm going to jump right to the sixth day and I'm going to create mankind. He creates mankind to exist in this place that is without form and is void. That it's dark. There's a, there's a face, there's the face of the deep. That sounds like to me, when I read those words, a very threatening place to be. But God didn't jump to the sixth day and decide, I'm going to create man. He had some other work that he wanted to do beforehand. And that brings us to today. Over the next couple of weeks, Jasper and I are going to work to answer the question, how did we get here? How did we get here? Now, when I throw that question to you right now, how did we get here? My head goes to the absolute mess that we see all around us. I'm not even going to name the mess because they're start, the messes that you see around you are starting to come to your mind. How did we get here? Well, you're going to have to wait till January uh, where we roll into Genesis chapter 3, and you'll see how the mess came to be that we find ourselves in. It's when mankind, Adam and Eve, decided they wanted to live life on their terms. They set aside, they rejected the commands of God, and they went after it themselves, and they introduced to our world the mess, the mess that we find ourselves in. But how did we get here? Next week, Jasper is going to ask, answer the question how we physically got here as he works through the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth day of creation. Today, We're not going to answer, how did we get here? Jasper's going to do that, because before we answer how we got here, we have to know where the here is and what the here is that we're actually getting to. So, over the course of the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to be looking at the creation of light, the creation of our atmosphere that we are given to breathe and live in, and also the land that we live on and the vegetation and the plants that God spoke into existence by the mighty power of His Word. That's what we're going to look at today. So as we roll into our passage, can we pray together? Father, we thank You so much for Your spoken Word. 
Lord, as I think about that chaotic situation that existed, that, that, that Charles shared with us, calling it chaos, this place that in my mind sounds like a very frightening place, Lord, you began to speak and to bring order to that chaotic situation, that chaotic place. <clears throat> now, Father, is with our word open before us, we ask, Lord, just as you spoke then, that you would speak to us, meeting each heart exactly where it's at, bringing rest to the weary, bringing comfort to the one that is tormented, and doing a mighty work in the heart of each one of us. And so now, Lord, declare your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read the passage together. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 13. And God said... There it is. And God said, so here we go, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the, from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse. I totally skipped a verse, didn't I? I totally skipped two verses. Let's start that over, okay? I'm like, this isn't the first thing he created. Here we go. God spoke, verse 6. And God said, Verse 3, I'll get it right. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, verse 6, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to their own kind, to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. Now, I don't know how much time you spent in Genesis chapter 1, but the more time you spend in it, here, here's, here's what I have learned over the course of my ministry, my, my life really. As you read through this, there are some things that provoke questions. There are, there are some amazing statements, truth spoken, that declare to God and His power and His control. But there are truths that we can hang on to, but there are some things that produce questions. And so here's some of the questions I've had to field over the years. Verse 3, if there was actually nothing and God created everything, did he create darkness? That's a good question. How about this one in verse 3? What was the light created before the sun, moon, and stars, which were created on the fourth day? So on the fourth day is when he creates sun, moon, and stars. And here we see day one, he's creating light. Well, what was that? Verses 5, verses 8 and 13, evening and morning the first day. Really? Really? He actually created each of these days in 24-hour periods. One day? I know you've heard that question. Verse 7, what was the expanse above? We see God taking the waters, and He separates the waters from what is here on earth and creates another layer of water up above to create the space in between, the expanse. What was that? Verse 8, why did God say that the creation, why didn't God say in this case that the creation of this expanse was good? He didn't say it, but he says it for every other day of creation. At the end of the day, he says it was good. Why didn't he say it there? Where do the waters come from in verse 9? 
And when were they created? Before day one or on day three? Because there was something before we see in verse two, but if God spoke and the first thing He created was light, where did the waters come from? Well, I don't have all the answers for you, and I don't even intend to try and provide answers for those things, because I can't. I can't make sense of some of the mysteries that God provides in His Word. But I want, to, I want to put it this way. As we get into this, this is not a matter of us trying to scientifically prove the creation of the entire universe. That's not the beginning. We don't want to start with trying to prove Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and being able to understand it is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Charles referred to it last week. Hebrews chapter 11 verse, verse 3, he says, um, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's a matter of faith. Before you have faith, you place your faith in the person of Jesus Christ, you cannot understand Genesis chapter 1. You'll end up at the end with more questions than answers if you're trying to solve mysteries before coming to faith in relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is what it is. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and what? The convictions of things not seen. We were not here when God spoke this world into existence. But by faith, we have a conviction that comes from relationship with Christ that says, we can believe in this, even though I don't have all the answers, I trust that God has spoken His Word and spoken it truly. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says that the natural person, the one, that does, the one that does not have the Holy Spirit of God, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. He can't. They are folly to him. You must have the Holy Spirit of God before you can have faith. And you cannot understand the truths of God's Word without the Holy Spirit of God. So Genesis 1 will not make sense to you. Now listen, as I stand before you right now, I echo and I resonate with what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 as he spoke to the Corinthian church. This is all the setup, everybody. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. The Lord has brought me to peace standing in front of you. It used to frighten me to death. Now I only deal with a bit of nerves. Praise God for that. In verse 4, Paul says, And my speech and my message were, were not in plausible words of wisdom, but how? In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So it's my prayer that you hear the words of the Holy Spirit of God and not my words because if I even take a moment and try and explain a mystery that I can't understand myself, it's going to sound like foolishness. But I join with the Apostle Paul and say, I, am, I don't come before you with plausible words of wisdom because I don't want you to rest in them. Todd explained it perfectly, and so now I can believe. That's wrong. It should be through the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that you believe, so that why? Your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I hope that you walk away today with an understanding of what Genesis chapter 1 says. But for those of you that are here or are watching online, if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you don't have faith. If you don't have faith, Genesis chapter 1 will not make sense to you. My goal for you, unbeliever, is this, not that you would understand Genesis chapter 1, but that you would come to have, place your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ. That's my desire. That's my goal. That's what I've been called to. And I pray to that end. For those of you who are believers that are Holy Spirit filled, this is my desire for you to, today, that you, that I would see, that we together would see our faith and our trust in our sovereign creator God. Strengthened. Strengthened. Here's the big idea for today. You ready for this? Genesis chapter 2 describes a very chaotic scene. And verses 3 to 13 begin this most incredible time of God speaking and bringing order 
to chaos, bringing structure to chaos. When God speaks, He brings order. When God speaks, He brings rest to the one that has the weary soul. When He speaks, He brings peace to the one that has a tormented heart. When God speaks, He brings peace to the troubled soul. God speaks, church. Now let's spend just a few moments in these 13 verses, okay? So here we go. When God spoke, let's look at the first day. What happened when God spoke? You ready? He said, let there be light. And what happened? And there was light. When God speaks, everything happens in accordance with the power of His Word. And verse 4 says, and God saw that the light was good. Now imagine this. How do you think How do you think that God communicates with himself? So we know that this is Jesus. He is the one speaking. He is the creator. He's the one that spoke the word. But if you look back at chapter 2, we have the Spirit of God that's hovering over this whatever, this place that was without form and void and darkness and deepness. Okay? So you have the Holy Spirit. What do you think? How do you think that went? It's like Jesus says, let there be light. And I, I imagine the Holy Spirit. I'm imagining the Holy Spirit is, stand, is, is hovering over the water saying, all right, it's time, let's go. What do you want me to do? He's not asking what do you want me to do because he already knows, but what an amazing picture where you see Jesus speaking and the Holy Spirit of God, like it's time to get to work. And he gets to work and boom, based on the word of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God acts and he brings light and he speaks light into existence. And God saw it happen and he said, It is good. Here's what's amazing to me. It's his first try. It wasn't like, let there be light, boom, and it's like a 60-watt light bulb. It was nothing like that. God spoke, and it happened exactly like he intended. This most magnificent, eternal light bursts onto the scene. When I walk through the house that Wendy and I just remodeled the main level, I can point out to you every single mistake I made. And if I were to do it two and three and four more times, there would still be mistakes. When God spoke, he spoke once, and it happened exactly like he said. He said, let there be light. And after he created light, he proclaimed that it was good. First try. And then God named it. He named, he named the light day, and he named the darkness night. Okay, kids, so here's where you come into this, Okay. I have a degree in elementary education, and I got that like 20 years ago, and this, this is the most frightening part of the sermon for me, involving kids in this, because I don't know if what I'm about to say is going to scare them to death, and then you're going to be up with them all night long, but I had, I grew up on a farm, kids, okay, and I grew up in this little, little trailer that was blue and white, and we lived in the country, and what I had to do, one of my chores was at the end of every meal, like the potato peelings, We don't just throw them down the garbage disposal. They're in a bowl after the day or after the meal. One of us, and it was me typically, I see it that way, would take them out across the yard, across the lane that goes to the farm, and I would dump them in the field. This became a recurring nightmare for me because when I would go, oftentimes it was dark, and the only light that I had to illuminate where I was was this yellow old, probably 40-watt light. It barely cast any light. And so it turned into a recurring dream, a dream I had over and over and over again. And this is what the dream was. I would dump the scraps, and I saw all kinds of crazy wildlife on the farm. Raccoons, they're cute in the daytime, but if you see them in the daytime, they're probably rabid, and you want to stay away from them. But at nighttime, well, after I, in this dream, I would dump the scraps, and then I would start back toward the house, and I would hear things starting to chase me, and I would run my guts out where? Toward the light, because the light represented safety. I would get to the house, and boom, I would wake up. God called the name of the light day and the darkness night. And when I look at this, there was evening and there was morning. Evening is the constant reminder that darkness is real, and it is coming, but we have nothing to fear because morning is coming. Morning will eventually be upon us. Light. 
day. What's the first thing we want to do at nighttime, kids, when, when we're afraid in the dark? We want to turn on the light because light represents safety because then we can see. One word before we move on here. This is what we believe here at Summit Church, that this is a literal 24-hour period that God created. Each of the six days, the Hebrew word for day is yom, and it means day. 3,000 times it's used in the Hebrew Bible, and it means every time a 24-hour period, with the exception of a few where it's referring to some, a time of period such as the day of the Lord, or it's used like with the day of trouble or the day of battle. But as we see it here, we have morning, or excuse me, God called the light day and the darkness night. And so we have morning, we have light, we have evening, we have nighttime, then we have morning again, the completion of the first day. And God saw that it was good. This is God bringing order to chaos. He's bringing order to chaos and by introducing to us some crazy awesome light that is far greater than the sun, moon, and stars. Let's keep moving. Order out of chaos. Let's look at the second day. The second day God created for us our atmosphere. Remember, He had to create that first because how are we going to breathe if we don't have an atmosphere, a place for us to stay? So kids, right now I want you to start holding your breath until I tell you not to hold your breath anymore, okay? Here we go. Day, day two, God creates the atmosphere. And this is what he said. He said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let the waters separate from the waters. And what did he do? God made the expanse separate the waters from, or, or, or that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. Dan, it was so. So, Jesus says, boom, here we go. It's time to create an atmosphere for my people to live in. No, you're not, you can't breathe yet. Keep holding your breath. Because this is what it would be like if we were created before this happened. So it was necessary that on the second day God created our atmosphere. So you can breathe now, kids. You made it, didn't you? Okay, thanks, Peter. Now, where? Uh, so let's start over. <laughs> so, okay, so what does this look like? God, Jesus speaks, and the Holy Spirit, you know, he's hovering. He's like, all right, this one's going to be fun. Created light, now. Exposed light, now. Here we go. I don't know what this looked like, but we have this ball of water, let's say, as big as the earth. And I don't know what it looked like for the Holy Spirit to say, okay, we're going to separate the waters from the waters because he needed to create a place for us to exist. And he called it the heavens. So when you walk outside today or tonight and you look up, you can see the atmosphere that he created for us to live in and exist in. Now, you can, look, I'm going to throw some three resources out here for you. Institute for Creation Research. Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham, or if I could point you to Del Tackett, I believe he was with, is with um, Focus on the Family. He did a thing called is Genesis History. Look it up. Very clear, very compelling. There are those that believe that that expanse that's above, that was above before the flood, was made of a solid body of water. So we have our earth, solid body of water, somewhere in the middle is our atmosphere that we're able to live in, Okay. We're going way over, by the way. I hope you're having fun today. Um, so we have this expanse. There are others that believe it was some, it's some misty, like cloudy type expanse that represents water because it is water, but it's more in a vapor form. I can't answer that for you, and none of us really can. All of it is theory, but here's what we know. This is what God did. He spoke. He spoke, and he brought order to chaos. He brought an atmosphere for us to be able to live in. A place that once was uninhabitable, he made for us to live in. God bringing order out of chaos. That's day two. Let's look at day three really quickly, okay? God creates land and plants. When he speaks, he creates a place for us to live and food for us to have. All right, kids? So I want you to be thinking right now, what is your favorite vegetable? There isn't one. That's right. So I want you to be thinking about your favorite fruit. All right, what is your favorite fruit? And I can tell you what mine is, but we're going to wait for that in just a second. God said, let the, let, let's start with um, verse 9. 
God said, let the waters under the heavens, so what is now, let's call it our globe, let the waters under the heavens gather together in one place and let dry land appear. Can you imagine if God, kids, would have created us before the land? I love being on the water, but I sure love being on the land as well because I can't swim for more than seven or eight hours at a time. And so eventually I'm going to drown. So I'm really glad for this piece of his creation. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And guess what? It was so. God said it. Jesus said it. Holy Spirit got after it, brought all the dry land together, and he named it. What did he name it? Earth. The dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called the sea. So he named them and he said, it was good. Dry land. We don't have to hold our breath. We can walk around on dry land. Praise the Lord for that. And then God said, it's time to create plant life. Look at what he created. Sprouting vegetables, plants yielding seeds, trees doing the same thing. What an, I think that would have been pretty spectacular. We live in a really wonderful place. If you want to see this in full view, walk outside. Take a trip across the United States. What a beautiful place we have to leave. You can go to the Pacific, live. You can, you can go to the Pacific Northwest and see a rainy climate that's green. You can go to the Pacific, the, the Southwest, and you can look and see what it's like to be in a desert with red rocks of Sedona. You can go north from there and west a little bit and east and see the mighty Rocky Mountains. You can run to the East Coast and see the beautifully blanketed with green trees um, Appalachian Mountains. You can go and experience the tropics down in Florida and see all that God has created. Pretty spectacular. My favorite fruit is the pineapple. Can't eat enough of it, but you know if you eat too much, it makes your mouth sore. But it's my favorite, favorite one, kids. What is yours? <laughs> Watermelon is number two. Yeah, mangoes. We could keep going, couldn't we, kids? Wonderful. What's your favorite fruit? Let's all share together after Corona has gone away. Okay? All right, so here we go. This is what he created. But look, what we see today is corrupted. This isn't really what it looked like. We're going to come to that again in just a little bit. Take a walk through our country and see what God has created. God bringing order to chaos as he is creating this most perfect place out of absolutely nothing. He makes light. He creates an atmosphere, space for us to marvel at. And then he makes land. And he names it all. And he's prepared a place for mankind and the animal kingdom to live. That's what he's done in the first three days. Okay, so that happened how many thousands of years ago? We don't know, a long time ago, okay? This is God creating these three, these four things in three days. What does that do for us today? What does that mean for us today? Well, let's take these three things away, and I have three questions that I want to leave you with, okay? And this is what they are. When God speaks, his word comes true. When God speaks, his word comes true. By the power of his mighty word, when it's completed, he can say, and it was so, and it was good. Because when God speaks, his word comes true. His word speaks to all life. We have his Bible in our hands, and according to 2 Peter, it provides us his truth, what he has for us, and it pertains to all life and godliness, everything spoken in here you can count on. When God speaks, his word is true. In chapter 3, we see someone enter the scene, the serpent, and he challenges Adam and Eve. Did God really say, 
we will spend the rest of our lives with the enemy whispering in our ear when a truth comes before us that's spoken by God's word and we know it to be true because it says so. The creator God is able to create the world and everything in it in six days. The mighty power of his word when it speaks, the enemy's going to be right there to say, did he really say that? What do you think the voice of God sounded like when he declared, let there be light? I don't think it was some mousy little quiet voice, kids. I think it was a booming, crazy, eternal God-sized voice that echoed from one end of eternity to another. When God speaks, he tells the truth. When Satan whispers in your ear, did God actually say he is tempting you to believe a lie? Write this question down. Take this one with you. When God speaks, why don't I listen? Why don't I trust? When God speaks, why don't I listen? Why don't I trust? Here's the second one. When, what does this mean for me today? When God creates, it is always good. First attempt. I worked for a builder 15, 20 years ago. And we worked on this massive house that was like 15,000 square feet. And they had about 200 windows. And I, I remember making like 20 window boxes for flowers. You know what I mean? That hang on the outside of the window. The first one was not great. Set that aside as a model. Second one was okay. The third one was getting better. By the fourth and fifth one, you couldn't see a seam because I had practiced it over and over and over again. It looked like, it looked like I just took the box and formed it that way. But that was, that was multiple, multiple tries. When God speaks, when God creates, it happens and it's always good with his first try. You, daughter of Christ, you, son of Christ, were created exactly as God wanted you to be, no matter how tall you are or short you are. No matter what your life looks like, God spoke and determined for it to be exactly like it is because He is the Creator that speaks truth. When God creates, it is always good. Here's the second question. The first one was, as a reminder, when God speaks, why don't you listen? Why don't you trust? Here's the second one. What is it about your life that you don't like? Take that one to the feet of Jesus. Be constant in prayer about that. I don't like this about me. I don't like this about my life. I don't like where I am. I don't like my parents. I don't like my kids. I don't take it to Jesus. What is it about your life that you don't like? Because when God creates, it is always good. And here's the third one. What does this mean for me today? When God brings light, the darkness has to flee. Has to flee. Nothing in all of creation is worth it without light. That's why he created light first. And here's what I imagine. Like kids, imagine Superman right now. The first time I saw him, he's like, peels back his shirt and you see this big Superman emblem busting out of his shirt, declaring, this is who I am. I see the Holy Spirit of God revealing this most magnificent light that when he peels back his shirt, it just bursts into all eternity and nothing can, nothing can live without this light. Bigger and more powerful than the sun and moon and all the stars put together. But man corrupted it and he brought darkness into the world. It's better to not even be born to live without that light. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 say this. We're going to start at verse 2. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made. Nothing was made that was made without him. Verse 4. In him was this. In him was life and the life that was the light of men. That's Jesus. I believe that was the peeling back and the revealing of the magnificence and the power and the light and the beauty of our Creator God. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It cannot. It cannot. The earth will rotate, evening will come, the sun will go down, and we will experience darkness. But not even that can stop the light of Jesus from shining. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so here's my question for you, the third one. What are the dark corners of your heart that need the light of Jesus to shine into? God speaks, and His Word comes true. God creates. It is always good. When God brings light, the darkness flees. But listen, we cannot long for this creation. No matter how beautiful it is, we cannot long for this creation. Can you show the, uh, put that picture up, Jeff? Look at, look at that, okay? This is God's creation. It's absolutely beautiful. It's in Aspen, Colorado, and you can see the fall colors changing. You can see the white uh, snow-capped Rocky Mountains behind it. Absolutely, stunningly beautiful to me. But as I look at that, that is part of God's creation. But even in that, it speaks of the corruption that mankind brought. We can't long for this, no matter how beautiful it is. Yes, the trees and the leaves declare such magnificent beauty, but those trees are going to soon turn brown and fall off. It's a representation of death. The death that mankind brought into this world corrupted it. Corrupted it. Man was kicked out of his perfect creation, God's perfect creation. Sin entered the world. Death came. Flood totally wiped everything out for a restart, but the heart of mankind never changed. It never changed. And that is, a, that is dis, the display of what mankind has brought into this world. It wasn't like that before, I don't believe. Because that, while it's very beautiful, is imperfect because it represents death. We can't long for this world no matter how awesome it is. Coronavirus shouldn't scare us because why? Jesus came, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, He created this place for us to live. We corrupted it. and has all kinds of nasty in it. But Jesus has a better place for us. Much more beautiful than that. In John chapter 1, he says this, let not, excuse me, John chapter 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. We're going to close with this. How did we get here? That's not the real question. The real question is, how do we get there? This other place that God is making for us. And so he says, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms, many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and take you to be with me that where I am, you may be also. As beautiful as that picture was, where Jesus is right now, let's have fun right now. It took him three days to establish this creation that we see behind us. And then he, then he put animals of all kinds and people on it. That's nothing in comparison to what he has in store for us, the place he's gone. It took him three days to make that. And if we can have fun here... I'm not suggesting this, this is, that this is a great theological process, but let's have fun. He's been gone for 2,000 years, and he's still working on that one. Our minds have to be blown by what Jesus is doing for us in his new creation. I go to prepare a place for you, and he says, I'm coming again so that where I am, you can be with me also. And Thomas, one of the disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Well, this is the way, he says. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love where we live. It's magnificent. I don't have another word for it. It's awesome. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one comes to this new place that He is with many rooms that He is creating for us. The only way is through Jesus. And so if you are here today and you are resting in the truth of this life here, just it's time now to settle that and put it down for a little bit. And let's look into eternity. Let's gaze into the face of Jesus and let's, let us, let's have him draw us into that everlasting and eternal relationship as he bathes us in his light. 
and provides for us the way to his eternal kingdom. If you don't know how to do that, we stand ready to talk to you after the service. If, you are, if you're watching online and you have a question about that, make it known, call the office, shoot an email, put a thumbs up or something as you watch on Facebook. Jesus is the way to a better place, one that is not corrupted. It's my heart's desire you know the way. Father, we come before you right now so overcome by the greatness of your word as you speak order in the chaos. Thank you for that. Lord, for the heart right now that's experiencing chaos, I pray that you would stir it up. Lord, let that heart know that you can shine your light into it and bring and restore order. Do a mighty work in the heart of each one that has received your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Is, uh, Todd used the word mind-blowing already, but the book of Genesis just blows my mind. And hearing how much what God did and his power is just unbelievable. And uh, anyway, let's, let's stand as we worship Jesus.
The Bible says, look not on the things of earth, but look upward to the things of heaven where Christ is, because that's what matters. That's the summit. So our summit church is we always have to be reminded to keep our eyes on what really matters. The creation is beautiful, but our awe should not stop at creation. It should go past creation to the one who made it as a display of his glory and his wonder and his beauty of the creation he's doing within us. We'll get to see him face to face. So let's not worship the creation, but let's worship the one who made it all. Church, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you're encouraged by the reality that God is all-powerful and he is in control. Know this as you leave, leave you are love. God bless you.